Thank you, folks, for joining co-host of Ask the People podcast, Bruce Hutchin, here in Colorado Springs. My other host, Ace Luciano, is um, having some situations in Arizona, so he was unable to join us. But I'm very pleased to um, introduce a good friend of mine, Steve Holt. He's a pastor, he's a husband, he's an author, he's a father, and um, he's had a sermon uh, last Sunday from uh, from the woods because he is in quarantine right now for COVID-19, and he talked about fear. So the first part of the show, Steve's going to just share some thoughts about fear and share what he and his family are doing to negate COVID-19. Steve, welcome to the show. Well, Bruce, thanks for having me, and uh, that was a fun that was a fun broadcast to do the sermon in the woods. I got a lot yeah, of it was with that squirrel and, with that Abert squirrel. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great about Colorado. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of blessed because I've got a daughter who's one of my assistants at the church, and she um, does great camera work, and that's kind of a a part of her own company that she runs, as well as working for the church. So she does great camera work, and then I have a 17 year old son, Josh who is uh, working for my son, who has a marketing company that deals with social media platforms, my son Isaac. So he's got Josh, our 17-year-old, on staff with him. So he's also super good with cameras and production. So we're sitting around. We're going to obviously pre-record sermon again for Sunday. And they said, hey, why don't we do it in the woods? And I went, what? They said, yeah, nobody's doing that. Everybody's just doing, you know, a regular regular church sanctuary thing. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we'll get the, we'll get the um, podium, that wood aspen podium that you had built. We'll bring that over. It looked really cool. And I said, okay, whatever. I love being outdoors. So we timed it right. The weather was perfect. So we, we put it in this part on our property. And I'm underneath this tree, right? And I'm just moving along and I'm digging my sermon. I'm really into it with two people as my audience, my son and my daughter, because that's what you're in these days, you know? So, and you're looking at in my lab, like my two labs were sitting there. So I guess I had two people and two animals listening to me. But what I didn't realize is a third animal. I guess there was a third animal. So suddenly, like Bruce said, these chunks of pine cone start raining down on my head <laughs> and it was so funny it's bouncing off the the lectern bouncing off my head and if any of you go back and watch it you'll see what i'm talking about about halfway through but it was an abert squirrel little black squirrel up above was just chattering away and dropping stuff on me so i think it was god's way of reminding me that I'm not so great and we can try to do all the cool stuff we want with all the cameras, but at the end of the day, nature still rules. Um, yeah, so I was speaking on fear and uh, what I said in that sermon was that by definition, fear is not a bad thing. So first of all, we need to understand that fear in our lives can be a really good thing. Fear is, is a mechanism within our, our bloodstream 
that we experience whenever we feel like we're about to encounter danger. But what the problem that happens in our lives is when it becomes chronic. And chronic fear is not good. And chronic fear releases toxins into our bloodstream, affects us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in such a way that it can be actually debilitating and even uh, uh, create paralysis physically, mentally, emotionally in our lives that can actually cause us to um, release the kind of toxins that make us more sickly and make us more uh, um, available, as it were, to the type of viruses and bacteria that can create sicknesses in our life. So I was sharing that uh, with Christ and through his power, the work of faith is an act of the word of God in our life. And the challenge before us is, is where we're going to go with the fight and flight mechanism of fear. One is to run with that and constantly be listening to the news, constantly listening to the media to such a degree that we just keep building and building and building the kind of fear that comes from feeling like you're out of control. And that's, a, that's exactly what our families had many, many discussions about. Because we tend to listen to the news, and we've just had to turn it off, Bruce. We've had to not watch certain broadcasts, and, and we, we leave ourselves just a tiny bit at night to watch because we don't have control over what's going on anyway. And so we, we would rather build up our faith. So the counter to fear is faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I've been encouraging pastors. I've been encouraging my team, my staff team. I've been encouraging everybody that I talk to, especially my kids who are at home. Guys, you've got time right now. You, In a sense, God given us a sabbatical. He's given us a chance to be at home, spend a ton of time a day reading God's word. Because it builds up your faith. It builds up joy. It builds up love. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Turn off the computer and go spend time in the backyard in God's word. Go up into your bedroom and spend time in God's word. Go out in the sun. And while you're in the sun, getting all that great vitamin E, read God's word. Read God's word and fill yourself up with hope. And all the studies show that when people feel a sense of vision, purpose, and hope, they're healthier. If you want to know, in my opinion, the greatest thing you can do to avoid getting this virus is to build up antibodies of hope. And hope is built through God's word. And so to spend a lot of time in reading God's word. And uh, so I'm so. So my family, we're going through, we just went through Haggai, and we've gone through Matthew, and we've gone through Romans, and we're going through Thessalonians. So we're reading God's word constantly to build up our faith. So Bruce, to answer your question, and I didn't elaborate probably nearly to this degree on Sunday, what I, what I would encourage is that instead of thinking about, I'm not going to be fearful, I'm not going to be fearful, I'm not going to be fearful, which then creates fear by continuing to keep that theme running through your head, it's more like, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by faith. 
I'm going to walk with joy. And I can honestly tell you, Bruce, I've, I'm full of joy right now. I am so full of joy. I mean, these last six weeks, I've just loved my times with the Lord. It's been awesome. And I've been so busy. We've been doing so many different broadcasts and devotionals and things like that. It's been busier than usual. But I've been so full of, of joy because I think inside, if I look at Haggai 2, and I would just encourage the listeners here, go to Haggai chapter 2 and, and look at what the prophet Haggai is saying to Israel. It is so applicable today. He says in Haggai 2, I think it's verse 6 and 7, he says, I will shake the nations in order to bring the nations to the desire of the nations. So I believe God's behind all that's going on, and he is shaking the nations. I mean, I mean, think about it, Bruce. There is no soccer matches in Europe right now. There are no soccer matches in South America right now. There are no baseball games in the United States of America right now. There are no baseball games in Japan. We watched the NFL draft last night from our home with cameras set up in the homes of the young men that were getting drafted because we couldn't have a normal NFL draft. And by the way, two University of Georgia linemen Went, went out in the first round. <laughs> everybody didn't know that I'm a junkyard dog. And that, uh, I was very excited for those, uh, those men. But, but, that's, but, but literally, God is shaking the nations. He's shaking us at the very core of the idols of our life, which is the recreations we love and the sports we love. And all those things, and I believe he's trying to get our attention, and even economically. And so when you look at Haggai 2, you see that God shakes the nations to get their attention, to draw them to the desire of the nation. So I believe a great harvest is coming. I believe a mighty, powerful harvest is coming. We are going to see unprecedented numbers in the millions, if not the billions, across the world of people coming into a personal, vital, dynamic, growing relationship with Jesus Christ because of what God's doing right now. I believe there's going to be lines of people in the churches getting baptized. I believe we're, we, we as pastors need to be ready with our churches to know how to disciple people because it's going to be unprecedented. God's, God's going to move in a mighty and powerful way. That's what I get excited about. That's what I'm pumped about. And I can't wait to get back to work because um, because God's going to move in a mighty way. One thing you shared over and shared on Facebook Live was how in your family are using vitamins and supplements to combat COVID because you've been exposed what three times now. Correct. So what I shared earlier, Bruce, was that um, I have uh, a daughter in I see a daughter in law and a son in law who both work with COVID-19 patients. So one, my son-in-law is in Denver in three hospitals in the emergency room. And he and his wife, my daughter Deborah, have been over to our house three times when they were COVID-19 positive. So everybody in my family has been exposed to COVID-19 positive. And, you know, all the studies seem to indicate that it's 
it's way more contagious than even six feet. I mean, they're talking about like 27 feet out, you know, you can be exposed to this, to the germs and the bacteria and the virus. So um, no doubt we've been exposed because they've been in our home and they didn't know it at the time. And then this, the third time we invited them over because we wanted to get it. So we wanted to get the positive reading because we wanted the antibodies. So I know that sounds nuts, but uh, I just feel so healthy and strong. I, and, and then our other daughter-in-law and son, Daniel and Chandler Holt, they're in, they actually signed up to go into the epicenter of the epicenter in Manhattan, New York, to work in, I think it's the second most prevalent hospital for COVID-19. So they're in there. She's a nurse. And she's seeing people die every day. So they're right down there uh, in, in order to be on a mission for the Lord to help out in that environment. So what you're speaking of is the fact that we're big um, supplement vitamin people. We've always been that way. So we already have that in our system. But we take um, three to 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. We take 50 milligrams of zinc and vitamin D and E also and some other stuff. But we do that all the time. And I think that's the reason nobody's been more, nobody even in the COVID-19 positive environment that we have been in has been sick more than about 24 hours. And it's been a sore throat, fever, chills. Uh, I think Liz threw up once. Um, Samuel felt nauseous. Um, but yeah, everybody's been fine. And what they're finding, even in all of the more the, the testing that's going on, there's a lot more testing going on, is that there's a lot more people that have been exposed than we ever dreamed. So in New York, with the testing, I believe I heard last night that may, maybe, maybe up to 20% of the New York population has already been exposed and show and was asymptomatic, didn't show any symptoms. So I think we're going to find at the end of the day that um, a lot of people, a lot of people have been much more exposed than we thought, and it's actually not as deadly as we thought. Now it's interesting in talking to health professionals that are in the COVID-19 world that are friends of mine. I mean, this is all they do all day. They said 99% of those that are dying are extremely overweight. They have diabetes. Uh, they're they're um, already compromised in their immune system and had other issues that they, they were sick with before they came in. Um, heart, I mean, there's some cases, because there always will be cases, but hardly any healthy people. Uh, and, and I should say, lastly, elderly. Um, about 75 and above, and that's like 95% of those that are dying. So young, healthy uh, people are not dying much at all. One thing, and I shared this on our Facebook Live segment, on 227, I had a total hip replacement by a surgeon here in Colorado Springs. I saw, went back on 3-9 to their office for my immediate follow-up, and saw the PA and my surgeon. On the 11th of March, I got a call from the office, said, your doctor has been tested positive to COVID-19. He's quarantined at home. 
you need to be quarantined at home. And so both myself and my wife, and fortunately, unfortunately, we we're in the high risk, high risk area. My wife does have some some issues. I'm pretty healthy. Have been on vitamins, and minerals, and do all the stuff I do. So, you know, I'm pretty healthy guy, even at my advanced age. But we have Kathy um, this week had had some. Uh, breathing issues. She went to the doctor, took the test. She was COVID-19 negative. Whether or not I contracted it from uh, my surgeon, I don't know. I had a scratchy throat. I had had, um, a little uh, post-nasal drift type thing, but I really didn't have it. Why? Because just like Steve, I've been on supplements. I stay active. And yes, I could lose 20 pounds, but other than that, I'm healthy. And I think a lot of people have have thrown, you know, COVID-19 as the, as the cure, I mean, as the cause, when we know anecdotally that a lot of people who have died have died from these underlying causes. They were already in trouble before COVID-19, and COVID-19 just came in and took them out and killed them. Yeah. But because COVID-19 killed them, that's how all these numbers go. And if we could take the numbers and say, wait a minute, he had a heart attack. We had in in Colorado, a person had a heart attack and also tested positive to COVID-19. So they stamped it COVID-19. He died of a heart attack, cardiac arrest. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was up in the mountains. And yeah. the AMTs, the people that I got the second hand, they said, he didn't die of COVID-19. He was dead when we got there. We couldn't revive him, but he did have COVID-19. Wow. Well, I think that's right here. That's right here in Colorado. So, you know, yeah. that we're, we're going to segue now from the fear part and into um, ask the people podcast is about our constitution. Why Ace and I put this out here is we want to ask everybody, you could be liberal, you could be conservative, you could be Miller Road. We really don't care. We want to have a dialogue where we can, just like people come to your house, sit around the campfire, and you reach common ground. You might have diverse opinions, but you still reach some sort of common ground so you have a conversation. And that's why Ask the People podcast is here. And if you do have a question, just email me at askthepeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And I will get guests that I can answer your questions because I have opinions, but I sure as heck am not a scientist. I'm sure as heck not um, a historian in the depth that, that Steve is, but I've lived 73 years and seen a whole heck of a lot and believe uh, in the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights, which brings me to amend, Amendment Number One: Freedom of Religion, Speech, and Press. So, as a pastor, what's your thought? How all this is working or not working at this point in time? Well, I was in a call with Governor Polis um, this week, and so had the chance to hear him express his desire that all churches stay closed, even with the safer at home, and that if we were going to meet, that we would stay under 10 people. 
So I went to his website and read what he had, and he's encouraging churches to remain closed uh, and just do um, any kind of, of internet um, type broadcast um, only. And I was I was sharing with Bruce earlier, and when we were talking about this, that historically speaking. Um, it's not unprecedented, even in the United States, but it's certainly not unprecedented in other countries that have a democratic republic, that you do have times of war. You do have times of crisis where we have had to have our, our liberties curtailed for the sake of the greater good. One of the examples that we're all very familiar with would be the internment of Japanese during World War II, which uh, certainly was uh, a very difficult time. And I've, I've always said this about history, that it's, it's you're, you're, on, you're on extremely shaky ground to look back in retrospect at historical movements or historical decisions that were made by a country or by a leader, by a politician, from our, say, 21st century eyes to a time where we don't understand the times and we don't understand the context in which these things happen. But, but for you that know history, you, you would know that there was a great, great fear that um, with the bombing of Pearl Harbor, that the Japanese were on the move and that they were, were locked and loaded to hit the West Coast after December 7th, 1941. And so there was this thing that happened, which we now call kind of the Japanese internment camps, where the, the freedoms of Japanese Americans were violated because of our concern for safety in our nation um, because of the, the fear that the Japanese Americans would still have connections with their descendants in Japan and be actually sympathetic toward them. Well, we could debate whether that was right or wrong at the time. I think most of the time, most of us would say it was wrong um, in the continental United States. We actually had an internment camp for the Japanese here in Colorado. Um, but having I've never lived in Hawaii, but I've been through Hawaii. And when I was a missionary in Japan for 10 years, we had, from time to time, we'd have these interesting discussions with Japanese students um, because that's who we were targeting. We were working with college students and in Tokyo and then in Okinawa. And it's interesting because the press has certainly framed that time very negatively looking back. Um, but the same press, the same press, that would look negatively at the curtailing of the freedoms of Japanese Americans during World War II are the ones that are actually supportive of curtailing our freedoms right now under the current administration, the current situation. So isn't that ironic that the press that would say, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe that we did that in World War II are now rah, rah, excited, you know, actually very, very positive about the curtailing of our freedoms now. That's what I mean by context. And so having been in Hawaii many times and even having staff that came from Hawaii at um, that time, there was known dissidence 
in in Hawaii against America, they would have been siding with the Japanese because so much of that state was um, had Japanese Americans in it. So here's my point. My point is that there have been times in history where we've needed to curtail freedoms um, in order to safeguard the common good. Well, is that similar? Is that the case today? Are, are we at a place where that is the, um, the situation and the only options that we have? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I really don't. I think, Bruce, we're looking at Amendment 1 and 2, maybe from a constitutional plane, but we're also looking at a virus on a scientific medical plane. And I'm, I'm not sure now that we're about eight weeks into this thing that the science of, of the stay home mandate is lining up with it actually being the healthy way to go. And as, that's what I would challenge our current system on is are we really continually looking at this scientifically or are we looking at this because just a couple people that advise the president are saying we should do it? Because the science doesn't seem to be completely lining up. When we look at Sweden compared to the rest of Europe, um, it's, there's very little difference. And they never did a shutdown. We have eight states in the United States that have never had a shutdown. And we're not seeing a, a vast difference. And so um, it's just interesting what we're under and the and the violations of our of our liberties. Um, I'm just saying that there's a balance here and the balance is that sometimes it is the right time. You have to take those measures for a short period of time. And we're still in the midst of it. I know that we've got safer at home phase one for Colorado uh, for Monday. So that's when that begins enacted. And then I was listening to the governor today on the radio and he's talking about, so I think that's the 27th, and then on May the 1st, they're going to open up more. So, you know, if that's where it goes, and we are more and more open, um, then I would say maybe it was a good thing. I think we'll look back at this time and have a lot of questions. I don't have a lot of answers, but we'll have a lot of questions. I don't know if that was necessary or not to shut us down, Bruce. Time will tell. One thing, um, we can look at a COVID-19 map, and we see New York is the epicenter, no question about it. Yes, there are some, you know, um, indicators. Colorado, we had some early cases, and we've had some deaths. Um, but the most interesting thing to me is California, I don't know if they're first or second to New York in total population, but their deaths have in L.A., San Francisco, don't even compare to what's happening in New York. Why do you think that is? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because that's not been studied. That's what's amazing to me, Bruce, is people are just not staying on top of their game with research. Because you're talking about half of all the cases in the United more than half of all the cases in the United States are in New Jersey, New York. Well, LA's almost just as congested. So if it's just congestion, then let's let's do the math. Let's do the studies on it. 
because there's other states that are also highly congested. There's other cities that are highly congested, and we're not seeing nearly the outbreaks that we do in New York and New Jersey. I just haven't seen anybody doing the, the hard work of the stats of the, of the scientific research to ask that question. But to take what's happening in this one tiny area and then export that to the entire United States doesn't seem fair. It actually doesn't seem to line up with what's actually happening uh, with the rest of the country. I just pulled up Colorado. I'm going to pull up California. This is Bruce Hutchin with a special message about my relationship with Burner.com. Burner HD is a non-lethal pistol that's available now on the web at Burner.com. If you go to the web and use my promo code LTD2020, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Burner products. So again, Let's Talk to Ear has a discount promo code LTD2020 for all Burner products. Go check them out. They're great. Let me get it right here. 37,000 confirmed cases, 1,469 deaths in California. L.A. County, 17,000, so half of the total cases in California. And here we go, 800, 797 deaths, so half the deaths. Riverside County, they had 3,200 cases and 900 people recovered and only 100 deaths. Orange County, um, 36 deaths. So what's the total, here we'll go back here, what's the total population, total population? Thirty-nine million. Yeah. And total population in New York. Let's just go to New York City. So thirty-nine. So it's under a half, um, a third. And we know what you know. We know what's going on. So there's some rudimentary just stats. California, 37,000 cases, 1,400 deaths. Lansing, New York was what? At its height, what was it, 1,200 deaths in one day, I think, at the apex? Mm-hmm. So huge you, know, difference. You, you look huge at that, difference. Two, huge difference. And we're two men, we're looking at that and going, what's wrong with this picture? And homeless people, if you go into L.A. and see the homeless, it's just incredible. It's just in L.A. The homeless homeless in New York is incredible on the subway system, down in the subway system where my daughter-in-law takes the subway every day to the hospital to work with COVID-19 patients. She's around the homeless population all over. And if you look at the pictures that you have even on TV right now, I mean, those those subway trains 
Those people are two feet apart. I mean, they're packed in there. So what's today? So what's the deal? So here, yeah, here's the question. social distancing. I mean, the question is like, okay, do we have a subway problem? I mean, that'd be a that'd be a legitimate question to ask if you were really doing scientific research. When have you ridden the subway? How often have you ridden the subway? When did you get COVID-19? How did you get it? Were you on the subway? I mean, those are the, I just don't see anybody asking those questions. And there's no subway in Atlanta. There's, there's MARTA in Atlanta. There's BART in San Francisco, but there's no subway. You know, I lived in Tokyo for almost eight years. It's the most dense Mexico and Mexico, excuse me, Mexico City and Tokyo are the most dense populated cities in the world. And I lived in one of them for eight years and there's hardly any COVID-19. So it's not density. There's something else going on in New York. Okay, just Mexico City, total population of Mexico City. 21,000. Okay, we said, no, 21, we said million. Cal uh, 21 million. And then um, we said uh, California was 39 million. 39 well, just million look people. up just look up COVID-19 for Mexico City. That's what I'd be curious about. And folks, this is what this show's about. It's like, okay, this doesn't make sense. It's just, it, to me, I'm going... Something, something. Something doesn't make sense. That's all. That's that's all I can say. Uh, Mexico. Go back up. Mexico, right there. It doesn't. Mexico. It doesn't allow us to go in there. Okay. I thought to be able to bump it up there. All right. No, that's not what we want. That's just American citizens. Um. Yeah. Mexico confirmed 11,000 positive cases within the border as okay. of April 23rd. Okay. And our country has, what, 45,000 45, 45, cases? We have 45,000 deaths. Deaths. Don't we? Yeah. Well, let's... let's I'm going to put in... COVID-19 deaths, Mexico City. That's the most densely populated city in the world. In the world. 1,089 as of April 23rd. Deaths. Deaths. <laughs> so come on, okay. man. Uh, 1,089 as of April 23rd. 
So it's not density of population. Nope. There's some just by that rudiment. There's 11,633 cases in Mexico City with 1,000 deaths, 1,069 deaths. Right. And the United States of the. No, that's Mexico. I, that's incorrect, bro. That's Mexico. But, Here's Mexico City. Only 2,800 confirmed cases and only 251 deaths. That's like a so, third the state of Colorado for Mexico City. So something doesn't make sense here, folks. That's all. No, Steve. Steve. So there's, some, there's something about New York and New, and New Jersey, Jersey and New Jersey because they have nothing the, that doesn't have anything to do with density or Mexico City would have it or Tokyo would be rampant too. every major city. If it's this contagious that everybody has to stay home. Then we would see some consistency across the board not happening. So we're nobody's doing the math We're nobody's ha asking these kind of questions about what is it that there's something unique about New York and New Jersey. And somebody's got to do the, the hard work of research on that. Is it a subway system? Is it the homeless population? Is it uh, Italian LA has food? I mean, homeless. I don't, I don't know. LA has I don't have, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know. LA has homeless. Okay, they have good weather though. The only thing I can figure out for LA is their temperatures don't drop or haven't dropped when they're humid right. and the temperature. Yep. Yep. But That's the only thing in my mind I that. could come up with of a huge differential. Plus now we have throw in the subway. The mean temperature is different. But folks, this is the type of questions that you should be asking yourself when somebody says, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. Not really, because we could have said, okay, if you're in New York, five barrels in New York, and you're in New Jersey, you have to stay home because this thing, a, a third of all the cases in the country are, and the deaths are in those two areas. So the rest of the country has put been put on this stay-at-home order and the governors, some governors have handled it and other governors have gone the other way and become tyrants. But this is where, you know, critical thinking is lacking, in my opinion. That's what I would say. So I just, I just put in some research just real quick here on my phone while we're talking about Tokyo and New York. And basically Tokyo is a little bit drier um, than New York. Um, right now there's not a huge difference in weather patterns with Tokyo. And of course, I, I've never lived in New York, but I have lived in Tokyo for many, many years. Um, so is it weather? Is it, it so is it climate? Um, but here's what's interesting about Tokyo and New York. Both are, both are on the ocean. Both are really right. close to the ocean. So, you know, you hardly have any deaths in Tokyo. You have all these deaths in New York. So it's probably not that. 
So I just want to see some research. Why is the entire world sequestered to this stay-at-home thing based on these hot spots? We, we just, I, my point is we don't do that for anything. Anything. There's, there's, no, there's no examples of this kind of draconian measures for anything else in our society or culture where the entire world is shut down based on a few epicenter hotspots that we have. So that's, I don't have answers. I just have a lot of questions. And I think somebody out there should be asking those questions who can get the answers. And folks, ask the people podcast at gmail.com. That's why we exist. That's why the show started. And for conversations like this to have people start asking, because we know Italy has the highest elderly population uh, in Europe, period. And so it swooped in and it killed people and horrendous. And nobody wanted to see that, but it did happen. And they're, they're, on, they're near the water. I mean, they're right here on the Mediterranean Sea. So... You know, how, how does that, what impact that is? And then we go to Sweden where they said, no, we're just going to roll along. They're on the ocean, but the weather, probably a little colder, mean temperatures, probably a little cooler than than New York, than Manhattan, the five boroughs of Manhattan. So it's just, you know, more questions are evolving from our discussion today and that's the whole purpose of the show is to get you starting to say wait a minute this doesn't make sense yes the government is supposed to protect us but when it trounces on our liberties that's wrong that's that's appalling it's offensive and it's wrong final thoughts steve well, I, I'm a big believer in research, and I'm a love science, and I love history. And I think we're at one of those places in our historical development, kind of the evolution of culture, that we need to be asking the question of why this pandemic seems to be isolated to certain hot spots. And in the case of the United States of America, it would be New York, New Jersey, uh, before we have the draconian measures that we have. Now, we already have them. Okay, so we're all submitted to the law of the land as it is right now. But why aren't we doing more hard research into why the COVID-19 is located in this one particular area. My challenge to anyone who listens to this is find out, start doing the research. Can someone out there begin to have hard science to support the draconian measures of shutting the entire world down based on a, a few hotspot areas? I'm just not hearing the science to back it up. Steve Holt, pastor, the Road Church here in Colorado Springs, author. What are your two books titled? The, mo the most recent one was the Re uh, was Worshipper Warrior, 
um, for men, and it's on a 21-day journey into the life of David. It's a devotional that is on Amazon, as well as The God While Marriage. And so I just did a, uh, we just republished The God While Marriage, came out in 2012, did super well, sold out. And so we used a different publisher to, to put it out again, and it's also on Amazon. So The God While Marriage, as well as Worshipper Warrior, a 21-day devotional into the dangerous life of David. Worshipper Warrior and The God While Marriage. And if you do the Worship of Warrior, get into the wilderness. Steve and I did a little um, video on that, and I enjoyed that. Thank you for having me, you know, part of that. Um, yeah, Steve, how how can people reach out to you on, and they have for, want follow-up questions, want to start a dialogue with you? What's the best way? Yeah. Well, I'm on Facebook, Pastor Steve Holtz on Facebook. Uh, I have a public page and a private page. Either one's fine. Um, that I'm on, and, and then my email is sholt at theroad.org, S as in Steve, Holt, H-O-L-T, at theroad.org. Feel free to email me personally. Um, you can also go to The Road at Chapel Hills, and I can be reached. That's the church we have here in Colorado Springs, The Road at Chapel Hills. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of Ask the People podcast, brought to you by Bruce Hutchin and Ace Luciano.